Right. That's the, that's our safeguard as Christians. Yeah. It, it's it's a heart that's wanting to please the Lord, uh, living a life of reverence to Him, yeah. and included in that is how we think and do exercise and fitness. That makes so much sense. I mean, if you can eat or drink to the glory of God in whatever you do, then you can exercise. You can pump iron to the glory of God. You can do push-ups to the glory of God. Yeah. Amen. That's awesome. Absolutely. Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the show that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I am your host, Reagan Rose. Well, I'm excited today, guys. I'm joined by Don Latour. He's the creator of Layman's Fitness, which is a ministry which helps Christian men connect both the what and the why of fitness for the glory of God. Uh, through his workout programs, he, they contain not just plans and methods for exercise, but they actually have devotionals and they connect to the theology of why this matters and makes sense. Uh, as a fitness enthusiast and certified personal trainer, Don has participated in all kinds of team sports, martial arts, half marathons, triathlon, rock climbing, and resistance training. And being married with two little girls, he knows the struggle of balancing stewardship of the body with life's many responsibilities. Don, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Reagan. It's great to be here. Yeah, I know the I know the struggle of having two little ones, um, and one of yours is very fresh, right? Your your second was just born in October, isn't that right? She's a fresh six weeks, man. And my oldest is three and a half, so we're in that that season right now. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to to come on with me. Um, I first heard about your stuff through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Austin. And we got to connect, I don't know, it's been a few weeks now and just really cool hearing what you're doing through layman's fitness. And what really got me excited about it is your emphasis on stewardship and glorifying God. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of great stuff out there on exercise and fitness, and there's even Christians doing a lot of great stuff, but I just love the whole connecting of the what and the why. So I'd love to hear maybe a little bit about you and how you even got into this. Yeah, sure. But essentially, I've been a fitness enthusiast for over 15 years. I've done all different types of team sports and all that. Um, I really got into exercise, like uh, like programming, that kind of stuff, once I hit puberty and all that. And um, I've, I've been an experimenter. It's kind of how I try. I like to try different things. So I stopped uh, playing football in high school and then did martial arts and then just started experimenting with all different types of stuff. Like did P90X. Um, I did a triathlon my first semester of college, like did the reverse freshman 15, <laughs> like I lost 15 pounds. Um, and then all kinds of stuff just through college. And then I think once I um, hit, you know, grad school into my first job, once you start getting responsibilities, the type of exercise you can do, I think just changes as you, you know, absorb different responsibilities that God's given you. So that's been a, a particular interest for mine the last few years is trying to figure out how to be faithful with body stewardship as your responsibilities grow. Now with two kids, it just looks different than it did 10 years ago. Um, but I think, you know, like you said, it, it's, it's really stewardship, recognizing that the Lord has given all of us a body created, designed by him and all of its intricacies, all of its complexity. And it's a gift. I mean, it's a gift to be used for his glory. And that's trying, That's kind of what I've tried to explore a lot with, um, with this program is kind of working out some of, those, some of those things and trying to be very practical with it too. 
a lot of times that can sit up top, you know, like, what does it mean to glorify God with your body? That sounds so nebulous, but it really, it really, there's a lot of practical ways you can do that. Um, but it does start with a recognition that he created you, he gave you a body, and it's, it's not yours in a sense. He's gifted it to you. And whatever that is for you, it's, 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 it's meant to be used for his glory. So that's my, it's kind of the heartbeat of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, totally. And I love that it's even in the name, the layman's fitness thing. And even like what you just said about as you get older, trying to find time for that stuff. Like I, I know myself and a lot of guys I know, like you get into certain types of exercise, maybe in college or high school, but the time commitment to do that kind of thing, um, even with like going to the gym for multiple hours, like several days a week, like it gets harder and harder to do that. And you get to this place where you know, it's important, you know, you should do it, but like, I don't know, I'm just speaking for myself here. You kind of have this fixed mindset of, well, to be healthy would mean, and, and to work out would to mean to do all of that stuff I used to do, but like, I literally right. can't. And so I end up doing right. nothing. Yep. Absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of an Excel sheet kind of guy. So there was a few times, you know, once responsibilities are adding up, I started like looking at my discretionary time. And I only have a certain number of hours during the, the week to devote to exercise and fitness. So what's like the most efficient way to do that? Um, and so I've tried, like I said, I've experimented with different things. Um, I kind of fall back to uh, uh, having a good routine. And so I think what that looks like very practically is, you know, at least three sessions a week, 30 to 40 minutes where you're doing some type of strength training. Um, it can be cardio, but carving out those slots of time and then committing to that and building that into a habit. I found that to be effective and, and manageable. You know, maybe you can't find an hour. You can probably find two 15-minute slots during your day, right? And if you just combine that to 30 minutes, you have yourself a little bit of a workout. And there's efficient tips and tricks on how you can do all that. Um, you can get a really great workout in under 20 minutes if you do the right things. Yeah, and I love the emphasis on stewardship, like you were saying too. Like the, It is it's part of this responsibility we have. I mean, there's so many things um, that we've been called by God to steward our money, our time. My, my emphasis with this podcast is usually more on the time aspect, but this really is fitness is a, definitely a part of what it looks like holistically to have a life that really is stewarded well um, for God's glory. And I, and I think obviously part of that is doing the fitness stuff, but like with anything um, where you're trying to glorify God in it, the mindset really matters a ton yeah, like you absolutely. you can do physical fitness and be a christian and not do physical fitness like a christian and i mm. i feel like some christians like when you hear you bring up the topic of physical fitness and maybe they start to sort of cringe because there's a lot out there like i don't know you, you with the world when they talks about fitness like you picture like the dude with the shirt off or the the you know the girl in the gym and they're ripped like it's like yeah. a bowflex infomercial at 12 a.m or something Absolutely. and there's sort of shallow thinking and so i don't know i feel like sometimes we try to we take that some christians maybe take that idea of fitness and then sort of like shoehorn the bible on top of it you know and just kind of mm. put a veneer over it yeah um, that's right and so like the theology part is really cool. And that's what really captured me about um, the way you think about it. So I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts on that. How does that fit together? Why is it important? So, and, and I'll answer that. I'll back into it by starting with my experience with just that, um, kind of that 
conflict you described, right? There was a time right when after um, my oldest was born, I, I started a very new fitness program um, and I had a goal of, you know, putting on some weight. So in about six months, I put on about 30 pounds of muscle. And throughout the program, it was technically sound. I got the results I was looking for. But just as you described, the motivations behind that, it, I, I think about it, it's pragmatically atheistic, right? It, it, it doesn't honor God as the creator of the body. And when you, when, you, when you think about God as being the creator, there's automatically this type of indebtedness we have to him as the creator, because we didn't create ourselves. It's, it's something, our bodies are something that was gifted to us by the Lord. So um, I, that's, that, I, I did that about three years ago. And that's kind of the genesis of when I really started thinking about a lot of this. And so um, the theological component, um, that's where I kind of started to think about stewardship, right? Because a steward is managing something that doesn't belong to him or her. Right. They're managing something on behalf of another person. And when it's not your property, there's a way that you treat it that's different. Right. There's kind of a different uh, set of standards. And we can look to scripture to find out what those standards are for exercise and fitness. Um, But that's I think that's one of the the, probably the overarching category for exercise is how do you how do you use your body? How do you maintain it? How do you strengthen it? How do you take care of it in such a way that would point people back to God, thus giving him glory. Yeah. But to kind of start where, that's where you have to start. You have to acknowledge that God's the creator. But um, another category to think through is, is movement, right? So kinesiology, you know, movement. Um, that's, when you think about movement biblically, you really have to go back to work. And what, what is, what's the theology of labor and work? So you can think about that. Um, maybe you can look again at Genesis. And Adam was put in the garden pre-fall to do what's, you know, like what's typically called the dominion mandate, which is to go out, subdue the earth, fill it, right, with, with offspring, and uh, kind of be the, the vice regent of the Lord, right? He's, he, he, in a sense, is exercising dominion on behalf of God um, over the world. And when, to do that would require work, right? He would have had to go out and work the garden. He would have had to go out and build and create and all that. That would have all required his body to move. Maybe he would have made tools, but that would have all required something from his body to do. So there's a, there's a connection between work and movement. We don't see it typically, I, I think, in our context, maybe as clearly as maybe Adam would have, because a lot of our work is knowledge yeah. work. But even in that, right, if you're typing at a computer, your fingers are still moving. Right. If you're counseling someone or you're giving someone advice, your muscles in your face are producing, you know, through, you know, working with your tongue, your throat muscles, all to produce sounds to talk to people. So however you want to look at work, movement is inherent in that. So there's a lot of, uh, so if you kind of look at how work is treated in the Bible, I think we can get another maybe overarching category to help us think through fitness. And that's really interesting. I think, I mean, we often don't associate movement with work probably because as you alluded to a lot of our work is knowledge work these days like we can effectively be a disembodied brain uh and and still do the same job but even if even we're not moving that much like we are moving like you mentioned but there is like a direct connection between your fitness and the effectiveness even of your mind like i mean you we all know this uh, experientially that if I exercise in the morning, I'm sharper. 
Like I think yep. clearer. I, I, yep. my, my, I'm faster in my thinking. And if mm. I am physically fit, I, I'm more focused. I'm less stressed. I'm better able to do the work that the Lord's put in front of me. And so right. there's not a total divorce, but I do think you're right. It does that, that connection would have been so obvious to people, um, in any time, except for modern times that, that to work and fitness, they're, they're so related. And mm. I'm curious, as we're talking about this, like, you know, you, you look at the, the, um, what the scriptures say about physical fitness and exercise, and it's not like there's a ton of stuff about physical fitness and exercise, <laughs> but I like what right. you're saying is like, you're connecting it to work. Like there is a lot when you, when you recognize how it fits into what God designed us to do. And I think it's probably mm. similar to even with technology, like the Bible didn't say a bunch about technology, but it says a lot about wealth, you know, and, and Douglas talks about this in his book, Plot Activity, is that you, mm. you know, there are biblical categories for a lot of the modern things we have. We just sometimes yeah. don't file them in the right folder. That's right. And another connection I think we can make with, with work as it relates to fitness is, is that the body was given to Adam as a way for Adam to exercise dominion over the earth, right? In a sense, it was kind of the means by which the Lord gave Adam to fulfill that dominion mandate, right? So the body was created to help Adam with work. Mm. So whenever we don't use our body physically, there's kind of an aspect of it where we have something that was created to be used for the Lord for his glory that's just sitting idle, Mm. right? So there's been, and then that's kind of how the fitness industry entered, right? Whenever your body sits idle, there's consequences to that in a sense, right? Like our, like our bone strength decays, our muscular strength decays a little bit, and um, all you know, cardiovasculars, all that. Over time, that's what happens. So, I think whenever the whole like uh, way to think about fitness, it's just outsourced movement. Hmm. You know, that's really what it is. What do you mean by that is outsourced there, movement? Um, because the the jobs, and I guess I'm talking more specifically about kind of the knowledge worker. Mm-hmm. Right, doing work that doesn't involve all aspects of the body, maybe a little bit of movement by something, right? But the rest of the body is just remains idle most of the day. So how does so fitness I think kind of helps remedy that by outsourcing the movement that would have been done by working into something more efficient. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a workout program is gonna move you through a certain series of exercises that's going to require your body to move. Yeah. And thus, I think you can take care of it. You can steward it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, even with the, you know, the, the birth of the, the exercise and the physical fitness movement, you used to live in California and you'd go down to, um, Santa Monica and like muscle beach was there next door and they have oh, like yeah. signs up and they're like, this was the birthplace <laughs> of the, of the physical yeah. fitness movement. And those, you know, that, that was birthed along the same time that, that work moved, um, into the office environment and the white collar thing. And that's not um, a coincidence. Nope. And so you have to do something. If, if you're not getting your exercise naturally, you have to do it and that's, Mm. and find a way and find time to do it. Yeah. One of the things I, um, I really try to communicate in, in my, my writing and programming is that fitness is a, it's a good thing, right? Like it's a, it's a really, it's a, it can bring blessing. Um, it's not something that we need to run away from. Um, and I think a lot of that, why it's a good thing is because we're, we're, we're using something that God's given us, right, to, to, to build our strength and, and to move more. And that's the whole function of exercise and fitness, right? It's to help you move more, uh, to 
really to steward your body for other purposes. Right. Man, that's really well said. Yeah. I think that, I mean, maybe I'm projecting here, but I think that sometimes I, I get the sense and I've probably done this too. So when, when people talk about physical fitness, um, Christians, you can kind of like balk at it. Like you can kind of like, you know, tease your friends that are in their gym rats <clears throat> and stuff. And I think, you know, it's good natured, but some of the assumption is they're really just doing this because they're vain. They're really just doing this because <laughs> they want the six pack, you know, and they want to look like yeah. Thor from the Marvel movies or something. <laughs> they don't really. Right. And then they're trying to shoehorn or like I said before, they're trying to like kind of smooth over the top of it, some Christian excuse for it. That's why I really appreciate right. what you're saying is like you're going deeper. You're going to the foundations. You're saying, no, 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 no. This exercise, an interest in exercise isn't something that is has to be necessarily motivated by vanity and then we sort of make excuses for why we're doing it. If you go deep enough, you recognize it is a inherently good, godly <clears throat> thing to do. Yeah. Um and right. I feel like that would change your your motivations, but it would probably change your yep. definition of success, right? Like how how oh, should definitely. a Christian's definition of success in physical fitness differ from, you know, the world's? Oh, that's such a great question. Well, this is this is where it gets a little tricky, right? Just from the standpoint, there's not like a, it's not a behavior per se. It, it's more of like a habits and practices and faithful activities that are developed over a long period of time, right? It's more like you know I, I talk about this a little bit in the habits of fitness. It's like a, a Christian. If you don't have a six pack as a Christian, that doesn't mean you're like lesser of a Christian, right? <laughs> Like, it's not like you're not measuring. That's a relief. (laughs) Our salvation is based off of what Christ has done Mm. and nothing else. And that's our hope and our sanctification and our glorification. Um, But, but as a Christian, it's, it's more of like, well, man, the Lord has given me a body to use. (laughs) Right. So it's don't neglect it. Yeah. Right. But, 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 and and don't be consumed by it, Mm -hmm. but use it as a tool for his glory and purposes. And I think there's an immense amount of freedom in in, in between those lanes. Right. Um, So really the the core of it, you know, in in a lot of senses, it has to do with the attitude of the heart. So we'll talk about the example you use about conceitedness. I I think about it in terms of, um, I think it's uh, second Timothy three, one to four, you know, Paul's listing out all these different you know, characteristics and descriptions of people you need to watch out for. One of them he says is swollen with conceit. Hmm. So I think about it like you're, you're swole with conceit, right? <laughs> what's the, so what's the issue with that, right? Conceitedness in that sense is, uh, it's tied to this word that just means like puffed up with a vapor. Mm-hmm. That's what that Greek word essentially means. It's like, you just, you know, you poke a needle on that person, he just deflates because it's, it's not substantive, yeah. right? But conceitedness really is misdirected strength. Hmm. Right. You're using your strength and it's the opposite of stewardship. If stewardship is to use your body in a way to glorify God, conceitedness is using your strength to glorify self. It's really an issue of worship and where your where your heart is directed. So as a Christian, when you're navigating all that aspect of uh, I don't want to be this like, you know, super conceited person. And there's I think there's a healthy amount of fear with that. But just recognize that all that is an idol in the heart. Mm. And, and like all other idols, it's, it's misdirected worship. Yeah. Right. And I think we have a safeguard as a Christian when we exercise, cause we're doing it not to glorify self, but to glorify the Lord. Yeah. That's critical. Yeah. It, it strikes me that, you know, idolatry, you mentioned that's something that we're always, even as Christians, we're susceptible to is you can make idols of good 
things. You can make idols out of God's blessings. And I think, it, I don't remember if it's in First Timothy where you know, he talks about um, the people whose, whose God is their belly, you know, yeah. and they're, they're kind of doing oh, yeah. this to satisfy their own <clears throat> appetites. And that, right. that could certainly be an idol where you're, you, you become gluttonous or lazy and the idol is mm. your own comfort. But your idol could also be your six pack. So it could be your belly or it could be your six pack because you could make an idol out of out of physical fitness, too. But That's right. the, That's the right. difference between those two is what the heart is, what the motivation is. Right? right. Where are are you seeking to glorify God with your body? Um, then you're going to you're going to find, you know, in this grace, uh, this grace path, mm-hmm. you're going to find a spot to um, to develop yourself in a way that honors him. Yeah, I think that's in a roundabout way, the answer to the question for the Christian, how do you exercise? Well, you can measure it by terms of results, but I think what God's mostly interested in is your heart attitude towards what you're doing. Yeah, well said. So now, I'm, I'm curious, you talk about this in the, uh, in the program and some of the intro material, um, Gnosticism, and it's, it's yeah. a funny thing. I should dedicate some more time to this someday. I feel like it's, as long as I've been doing this podcast over the last few years, Gnosticism has come up so many times and it's a very I, mm. I need to think more about why that is but it's interesting <laughs> with what you're talking about so maybe what is gnosticism <clears throat> what is how does that contribute to christian's misunderstanding uh, about physical fitness yeah sure it's, yeah gnosticism is a pretty broad philosophy um i think and there's a there's a lot of components to it right you got the secret knowledge piece of it and you've got that's kind of a it's a false gospel from that vantage point um, but I think as it relates to exercise and fitness, Gnosticism typically has this type of valuation they put on what's created versus, you know, like the material versus what's spiritual. Yeah. So there's this, there's this differentiation of those categories. You have your material things and you have your spiritual things. I think the issue with Gnosticism as it relates to fitness is we start, and really anything, is you start uh, assigning higher levels of value to the the spiritual versus the material Mm -hmm. and so this this is manifest in a lot of different ways like the sacred secular divide with vocation Mm -hmm. right a lot of times it comes up in that angle like is it less holy that i'm you know working in the business versus me being full-time pastoral mission you know pastoral work or a missionary Um, but with fitness i think where it manifests itself mostly is a type of guilt that i think christians feel when they actually, it's kind of like, am I doing something lesser yeah. by spending 30 minutes in the gym or 40 minutes in the like, gym? Like, shouldn't I be reading the Bible or, or praying yeah. instead? Like, shouldn't I be this praying doesn't matter. or like, you know, serving my neighbor or doing like, it, it seems like, it almost seems like a, it, it can be treated in such a way that it's selfish, mm-hmm. right? Because it's lesser. So I, the way I think about it is Gnosticism has like a shaming value to it. And it's, um, it's really at the core of a lot of that, that feeling. But I think a way a Christian can kind of work through that from a fitness perspective is just recognize a few things. I think you mentioned this earlier that the mind and the body are really intertwined, mm-hmm. probably more than we give ourselves credit for. And there's a few reasons like the, 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 you know, when you think about fitness, when you're lifting you know, weight or you're doing pushups, your brain is communicating through the neurons to your muscles and bones to react based on external stimuli. And then your sensors are sending it back to your brain. So your brain is actually the one in kind of at the command center of all movement. So if you think about it from that sense, like your mind is actually the one controlling your physical movement. Huh. 
Yeah. And you know, if you look at Genesis, right, I want to tie this to scripture. Um, the like, there's so much connection between the spiritual and the physical. Like if you look at um, the fall of man, like Adam ate a piece of fruit in disobedience to God, and he was then spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't the fruit per se. It was the disobedience to the Lord, but it was that connection between the spiritual and the physical. And same with our, our hope in the gospel. Like Christ died bodily, and therefore our spirits are made alive when we put our faith in him. And then, it, so anyway, it, there's so many interrelations between the gospel and uh, Gnosticism that I think just smashes it. Yeah. So it just smashes Gnosticism. No, absolutely. Um, but I think one more way to think about it, um, or really, really two more ways, is that um, when you think about the heart, right? Like your heart, and Jesus says it in Matthew 15, right? Like what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, right? Right. So when you start assigning values of, well, the material is really bad and the spiritual is really good. Well, actually in scripture, the heart is deceitful above all things and is controlling in a sense your body, right? Both are cursed, right. but it's the heart that it's at the core of all of it. The heart is deceitfully wicked. And that's what the gospel will change. Is it, it'll, it'll change your heart, the, the spiritual, right? Yeah. Who you are. Um, so I think the, probably a, a really helpful verse I've, I've thought through with this for fitness and exercise. It's uh, 1 Timothy 4, 4 to 5. He says, um, like, for everything created by God is good. Nothing's to be rejected is if it's received with thanksgiving for it's made holy by the word of God in prayer. Hmm. So there's a sense of we can, we can rest assured and be thankful for the physical things that the Lord's given us. Yeah. I think in that, I think in that section, I think Paul's addressing those who are you know forbidding marriage mm-hmm. and different types of food and all that. But Paul's conclusion is, Hey guys, you can be thankful. Everything the Lord's given to you is good. I think that includes the body. Yeah. The body's good. You know, there's no need to be ashamed of using it or strengthening it yeah um do it and do it in a way that honors him but you're free totally free man it's so fascinating there's a lot of things we could press into on this it 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 occurs to me me just on the subject of that sort of um spiritual uh material dualism and gnosticism like like you said like we're created mind and body or spirit and body from Genesis. It's not like we had a bunch of disembodied souls and God was plugging them into people. Like Adam and Adam was made mind and body. we we, uh, Gen or, um, first Corinthians 15, right? The res we're going to have a physical resurrection just like Jesus did. We're ultimately going to live on a physical new earth. Um, yeah, that that's, that's right. the design. But what's interesting is, you know, you talked about the connection between work and the body, but in the fall in Genesis three and with the curse, the curse, the particular aspect of the curse that's emphasized there on the man is that his work is cursed. Um, Mm. And I'm curious if you, I don't know if that's something you've pressed into much, but your thoughts on that, how that affects even our own difficulties with being physically (laughs) fit, you know? Oh yeah. So yeah, I can, I'll back into the work component. Um, but as it relates to, we'll start with the body. Sure. I mean, obviously <laughs> like the sin brought death into the world and, and, and Paul hits on this in you know, Romans five, where he ties the, the spiritual, you know, decay of really the world to what happened in Genesis. Um, and then he ties it to the gospel, right? Ultimately the, the good news that Christ, um, we have the free gift of, I think by the grace of by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ abounded through many. So if yeah. sin came through Adam, much, you know, for salvation came through Christ. Um, so as it relates to the body, there's definitely a recognition that your body 
is on a trajectory to death. Yeah. Like it's, it's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. In the same way with work, like work is full of thorns and thistles. It's not easy. Right. So in a stewardship standpoint, like it's not easy to steward your body. Well, there's going to be all kinds of obstacles and that can be obstacles of your actually, you know, sometimes you get injured, right? Like you're not able to function as your body was intended to, or you're sick. Um, or even our own, you know, sinful nature of just, I'm just, I'm lazy. I'm just not feeling, I'm not feeling this today, right? right. Kind of having that sluggard tendency. Um, and that's stuff that it's just part of the the human experience in a fallen world, you know? So, but I think in that, um, that's where God helps us in our stewardship, right? He doesn't just leave us there to say, hey, you guys are going to figure it out by yourself. Good luck. Right? He gives us his spirit, gives us his word. Um, gives us strength to push through those times, uh, gives us grace to help us when we fail. But ultimately, like if our body's decaying, he's going to give us a new resurrected mm-hmm. body after this life when it's all over. And that's our hope. Yeah, that's that, that's the ultimate hope of the body. Mm-hmm. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll get to, to be with him forever. Amen. But that doesn't free state. us from the responsibility to take care of it now. Right. Just because that's it's right. going to be remade doesn't mean that we can't take care of it or we shouldn't take care of it now. Right. Oh, there's, yeah, I, I call that um, the futility mindset. Yeah. It's like a, it's, it's kind of this idea that the, because the body is going to die, well, why would I even take care of it? It's like the hamster wheel just spinning and not going anywhere, right? So, and I've thought through this, there's, I think there's a few issues with it. And the first is like, we don't think about that in other areas of our life, right? Like an apple's going to, if you just put an apple on the counter and just leave it there, it's going to rot. Yeah. But it's like, well, does that mean you don't eat the apple? Huh. Or like from like my dog, like my dog, he, when he hits around 10 or 12, like those days are probably going to come where he's going to pass. But it doesn't mean I don't take care of him. Right. And same with my, my daughters, and my wife, like they're, they're both, they're all going to die at some point. But that doesn't mean I neglect them. So it's kind of this like faulty thinking. But biblically, Solomon pretty much asked the same question in Ecclesiastes 9. He said, he observed that death's going to come to everyone. Everyone knows it, right? And his conclusion, I love this. His he has a few conclusions. One of them is like, you know, live with the wife for your youth, enjoy the, the marriage, enjoy what you eat, and then whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Hmm. So his conclusion essentially is work hard with all your strength. Yeah. Even, Even in spite of the fact that it's it is someday going to go away. That's right. Because because we've been given we've been given all of these things by the Lord to be used for his glory. Right. Right. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. We're here to, to work. And I think yeah, another I way, that. like with stewardship with the parable of the talents, like the wicked steward just put the talent in the ground and left it. Mm-hmm. Just say, I'm just not gonna touch it. Yeah. I don't think that's how we should approach, you know, our bodies. It should be used for God's glory. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah, and I mean with the stewardship aspect is like you were saying before, there's there's something to be done with this body. It's not, mm. it's not our body. I mean, Paul even says that in first Corinthians, you've been bought at a price. Your, your body is not your own. Um, right. and there's, there's work to be done with it. you you have to take care of it, even though it is eventually going to fall apart. The same, like, I love your apple analogy. The apple is there to sustain you, to, you eat it. Mm. It's to be used just right. because it's going to rot eventually or go away. It doesn't mean you don't use it. Right. You, you use it while there's still day to use it. That's right. That's really good. 
So maybe tell us a little bit about your program. You have a 12-week program people can get on your website, laymansfitness.com. Yep. Yeah, so um, it's a 12-week program, and there's there's really two components to it. There's the, and this goes back to the what and the why. Um, you know, the, the what is the, okay, you know, Don, you're saying all this, but what do I actually do, right? What's the, like, what do I, how often do I need to work out? What do I need to do? What are the instructions? Just tell me what, tell me what that needs to look like. And I think a lot of the times people need just kind of that to start. Totally. Right. So like, just give me a plan. Tell me what to just, do today, just, what to do tomorrow. Hey, you know what? I don't, there's so much information out there. Synthesize it for me. Just tell me what, what I need to be thinking about. So this, this program, um, it's, uh, the, the physical element of it moves through three phases so it's uh, the first phase is stability, um, the second phase is endurance, and the last phase is strength. And it's a it's a it's a it's a workout model that's I think proven effective yeah. through you know, a good amount of research. But essentially, you start out doing um, movements through uh, like to to improve your stability, which more or less is your balance, your coordination, your nervous system talking with your physical, you know, your bones and your your muscles and all that. Um, the endurance phase is it's uh, essentially taking that a step further, right? So the programming is a lot different. The type of workouts are going to be different. Um, and it's more focused on how far can you push your muscles, yeah. right? And then strength, the last part, the last four weeks is uh, it, it's it's really kind of capping all of it together and really pushing your body. Um, and I'll say this about the program. Um, it's all body weight based. And there's a, there's a reason for that. I found through the years that there's a few excuses I've heard for not exercising, right? One of them's time. Yeah, it, it, it's time, right? I don't have a lot of, you know, and it, a lot of that's not necessarily a wrong excuse, but guys, we have responsibilities. Um, but body weight exercising means you can pretty much do this workout anywhere. Yeah, minimum equipment, right? You maybe a pull up bar, but I've done this using my kitchen table, using the floor in my kitchen. Um, outside in a park. That's where I really like to exercise when you're outside. Um, but anyway, I've tried to, all of the movements are body weight based. So you really don't need a lot of equipment. Um, but that's the progression. So yeah. four weeks in each phase. And then paired along with that is what I've called a practical theology of fitness. And every week um, I'm sending content to the participants that moves to the same progression. So stability, endurance, and strength. So the stability phase, kind of like the physical, essentially you ask the question, all right, what's the body? What's it made for? Um, what's the curse of the body? And what's the hope of the body? Right. So giving you that theological stability so you can start thinking through some of the, 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 the big picture, you know, things about what the Bible says about the body and stewardship. The second phase is endurance. And that's where I focus on what's going to, what potentially could take your strength. Hmm. Like what are the threats to your strength? What do you need to watch out for so that you can run the race with endurance? So I talk about like Gnosticism there. I talk about lust, talk about the sluggard. And then uh, lastly, I call it being swole with conceit, yeah. right? Those are the things that can rob your strength. And the last uh, four phases is the strength phase, which is actually I talk about strength from a biblical perspective, uh, which starts with who God is. He is a mighty God who displays his strength. Um, so I talk about that component, talk about how we can display our strength. Um, I talk about how to beat laziness and gluttony. And then lastly, just uh, what are the habits of fitness? They get really practical in the last uh, phase. 
But all participants receive everything all at once, like right up front. And then through the weeks, there's weekly emails that kind of help people stay on track. Totally. Because I think that's that's helpful. I love that. I, it's like fitness for the whole person. It's not just the body. Yeah. It's the, the spirit yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah. so someone could could get this and they basically would have a devotional program and oh, exercise program in one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, each each post is a uh, each piece of contents two to three pages and mm. how I've outlaid it. I, I've, I've got, um, you know, the, the different headings and then kind of the body of content, but I've also tried to all the scripture I was thinking through with this or related scripture. I've laid that out too at the very end, plus any sermons or resources that may be helpful to kind of augment some of the content. That's awesome. I linked to some commentaries and like some of the word studies I've done in there. I've linked to the, you know, the, the, the content I've looked at, how can I help me think through what these Greek words mean? That's super cool. So, and can anybody yeah. like what, what level would someone's experience with physical fitness have to be to take this on? I think anyone could, could start with this. Yeah. If you're advanced, I think this is helpful because this gives you a systematic framework to learn how to do a program too. Um, I think if you're a beginner, you can absolutely do it. But I will say this, I mean, it's always recommended to consult with your physician before starting a program, especially if you have a known physical limitation yeah. or a known cardiovascular you know, disease. It's, you you want to consult with your physician before starting. Um, but I've tried to make this very accessible. I've, I've found, even though I've done different programmings, that this program will challenge me. Like it's, it's challenging, yeah. um, but it's also very, uh, very doable. And each, each workout is going to be... Uh, I've tested the times it's between 25 to 35 minutes when I've done it. Um, so I think you're probably looking at 20 to 40 minutes of dedication and three, three workout sessions a week. Nice. And you have, um, videos and stuff to show people how to do some of the exercises as well. Right. So people can kind of learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So every, uh, every body weight movement that I have, I have a associated video on my website. If you go to laymansfitness.com and you click the videos tab, it's going to have a library of all of these exercises. And then in that too, what I've put um, in there, I put a description of the exercise, uh, what it, what it exercises, like what, what the movement actually works. Is it your legs? Is it your core? Is it your back? And then I put some uh, recommendations I have for progressions and regressions. So with body weight, um, one of the things I enjoy about it is you can make a movement harder. Like there's about 50 ways you can do a pushup. And it's not, it doesn't have to do this. You have to do the same thing over and over again. You can make a push up harder by tweaking something, by you know, elevating your legs, um, by using one hand, right? There's all kinds of things you can do. And so in each of those movements, I've put a few of my recommendations on how to tweak it if you'd like. So that's when I say it's the workout program is for anyone. Yeah. Like you, you can look at the, what I put together and kind of mix and match and say, I'm going to make this one a little harder and make this one a little easier, this one a little harder, this one a little easier um, to adapt. So if someone wants to get started, what do they do? Laymansfitness.com? Yeah, laymansfitness.com. Um, you can go to the workout page. I do offer a 10% uh, coupon if you subscribe to my, it's my Fit Tip Friday weekly newsletter. That's a good way to keep in contact with kind of what's going on with Layman's Fitness. I also have a, um, st I've started a YouTube page just recently. Um, it's LF underscore Layman's Fitness. And uh, I try to release about two-ish free workouts a week. Wow. And what that is is um, 
there's a type of training called HIIT or high intensity interval training. And um, what I've tried to do is capture essentially two of those type of workouts um, that I've done or I do um, that can be done anywhere, like outside, mostly is where I try to do it outdoors with minimal equipment. I do use some dumbbells in there depending on the movement, um, but I put it in the YouTube short form, which is a 15 second video. So you can essentially look at a 20 minute workout in 15 seconds. It's a very efficient way to communicate information. That's cool. So people could go and grab basically like a sample workout plan from some of these videos and, and learn, kind of get a taste of what the program's like. Um, yes, I'll, I'll say that the, like the stability phase is going to start you out at a kind of a, a more fundamental level. I think these HIT or the hit, you know, workouts are going to be a little bit more intense. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, you can definitely get a sense. I think what you can get a sense from those workouts are, is how you can get a really good exercise in about 25, 30 minutes. Nice. Well, that's awesome, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Is there anything else uh, you would want to tell people or any other topics you think would be important to hit on? I think one of the things um, that comes up a lot with exercise and fitness is 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, right? So this is Paul's um, you know, address to Timothy where he says, hey, train yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value. Godliness is value in every way. Mm-hmm. For holds promise for the present life and life to come. So a lot of people look at that verse and say, hey, this is the verse that tells me that I shouldn't be fit. Right? <laughs> or maybe another way to say it is this is this this is proof in the text that uh, exercise and fitness only has some value. Yeah. Right. And so, so you I'll shouldn't just, worry about it. You should prioritize the, the godliness yeah, thing instead, right? Exactly. So I think I'll just kind of share, I, I wrote a post about this when I started uh, Layman's Fitness. Um, I think one of the ways to kind of think through that verse um, and recognize what it says is looking at the context of First uh, Timothy. And you can look at it by, by looking at what Paul tells Timothy right up front, where in First in, in Timothy 1, where he says, hey, Timothy, stay in Ephesus, mm-hmm. right? Wage the, and then he says, wage the good warfare, and then he bookmarks the book with wage the good warfare, right? So that whole book is more or less a pastoral encouragement to Timothy as he's holding the line. Like he, he's engaged in this warfare yeah. and Paul's saying, Hey man, stay put. I'm going to, and, and, and Paul gives some encouragements to Timothy while he's there. So kind of zooming into chapter four, what Paul is, what Paul is giving him there is kind of like his marching orders, mm-hmm. right? Here's the marching order. Here's the things that you need to do, Timothy, to, to, to fight the good fight for the health of your church. Yeah. And so one of the things he says there to open it up, he says, and this is where we're getting into that, that, that passage. He's saying, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. So that word train is, uh, it's that Greek word um, that would have indicated a type of really intense physical training in, in like the, um, the gymnasia back then, right? where it's kind of like training in a dojo or like an MMA fight type of training, like high intensity, like warfare fighting. Yeah, like you're, you're training to fight. You're not just battle. training for fun. Exactly. Right. This is a, it's, it's a, well, I guess they would have done it recreationally, but it's that intensity. Mm. I think that's what he's zooming in on. It's this type of intensity. So what Paul's saying is have that type of intensity as you're training yourself for godliness, Right. And then he moves into while bodily training is of some value, godliness is a value in every way because it holds 
promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So what Paul's saying there more or less is, it's something like this, is Timothy, as you're staying in Ephesus, as you're holding the line for the health of the church, exercise and discipline yourself towards a life of godliness hmm. with the intensity of a fighter. And this is going to benefit you in this life and the life to come. So I think some ways to kind of think through that verse, you know, very practically is that like, don't forget that bodily training has some value. Mm -hmm. Paul doesn't dismiss it, right? right? In fact, he uses bodily training as a positive metaphor for how Timothy should think about training and godliness. Right. But also there's a sobering reality that bodily training, it's going to fade with your body. Yeah. I think that's his point about the eternal value versus the value of life and now, right? Like you're going to get a new body when you're with Christ, with the resurrected body. So it's not the body that has the value. It's, it's what you're doing with the body. It goes back to that life of godliness, yeah. which is a, a life of reverence towards God. Do you think stewardship's fitting in there? Um, and the last point there is that just recognize godliness is valuable for all things, hmm. including bodily training, hmm. right? That's, that's our safeguard as Christians. Yeah. That's the mark of, it, it's, it's a heart that's wanting to please the Lord, uh, living a life of reverence to him. Yeah. And included in that is how we think and do exercise and fitness. That makes so much sense. I mean, if you can eat or drink to the glory of God and whatever you do, then you can exercise. You can pump iron to the glory of God. You can do push-ups to the glory of God. Yeah. Amen. That's awesome. Absolutely. You know, Don, there's a lot of uh, pastors that listen to this. And I, you know, just be frank, I think that a lot of pastors would admit that physical fitness is something that they struggle with. I think it's a common thing. Mm. They have many, many demands. They have a, a job that uh, that calls on them at all hours of the night. And it's easy to sort of right. justify <clears throat> while I'm focused on the more important thing. Would you have anything in right. particular that you would say to, to pastors about what, what makes physical fitness important for them particularly? Um, yeah. So I think like going back to kind of the, the big picture points, um, you know, physical fitness is a, it's a way you're stewarding your body for the glory of God, right? So, and that's, you know, to use Paul's category of godliness, right? I think that um, as, a, as a pastor, you're, you're setting the example for the flock, hmm. right? So there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense of which, like as a lay person, right? Like for me, I, I, don't, I don't expect the pastor to have like a, like a six pack and be this kind of like gym rat. That's not what I'm looking for. But what I am looking for is someone who's imitating a life of faithful stewardship, hmm. right? So someone who's kind of walking in that path of using their body for God's glory. Like I want to follow a pastor who's imitating that. Yeah. So the, one of the, like, you know, poor body stewardship, one of the ways it exemplifies is laziness, kind of being a sluggard, gluttony, Right. Those are all things, all sins that need to be dealt with in their own way. And I, I'd want, as a lay person, I think to follow a pastor who's exhibiting, you know, continual, you know, struggle but victory over those sins, yeah. right? And 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 leading the the flock in a, in a direction of stewardship, right? So that doesn't, like I said, doesn't mean that the pastor needs to be some like you know bodybuilder type of person. It just means that the character value of stewardship 
which I think should ex should exhibit itself in some way of doing some type of physical activity, not neglecting the body, right? There's a time there's, there's time and a place you can adjust with seasons of life, right? I said a newborn, like it's not the right it's not the right time to start a program, right? If the church is going through something, it doesn't it's not the right time to you know you know put that to the side and focus on your body. It just means that overall the the general habits I think should be marked by stewardship. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. I mean, even in, in first Timothy there, when it goes through the qualifications for an elder, um, which, you know, would be a pastor too, uh, mm. you know, it talks about not being addicted to much wine. It talks about, you know, being faithful managers at home, being well thought mm. of by outsiders. There's, there's all these things they speak to the character as right. displayed through actions. Cause there's no other way for us as humans to evaluate character. We don't see the heart. Only God sees the heart. And that is one area where you, you know, you see a, 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 a a guy who whose household's out of control or mm. who's you know maybe um clearly not taking care of his body at all making no effort in that area it, it right. makes you wonder how he views stewardship in other matters like money or with caring for the flock um right. and i don't think that that's obviously you don't want to be judgmental there but i don't think that those sort of connections are unwarranted because i think that that is how you evaluate someone's character by how mm. they how they steward their whole life Regan, in talking about this i want to talk a little about more about sober mindedness yeah. maybe just kind of the last thing go for it um, i think that's a really important thing um, and i do talk about this in the the um, in my my content but so specifically looking at titus Sober-mindedness comes up in a few different ways, but the Cretans, right? The Cretans, are, you know, always liars, evil, evil beasts, yeah, and lazy gluttons, right? That's what they're marked by by their own people, and you know, Titus recognized that, Paul recognized that. One of the instructions that Paul gave to the people in the church was to be sober-minded. That's translated in a few different ways, but Tim, but Titus two, I think one through six has a few different iterations of that translation, but specifically for men, he tells a young man, hey, be self-controlled, hmm. right? And that word is essentially sober-minded, sophoneo, um, which has this idea of being being in, in control of your desires, hmm. right? So when you study like the sluggard in Proverbs, the sluggard is marked by desires that cannot be controlled. He's, mm -hmm. he's subservient to them. There's a few references you can go to look at that. And same with the glutton, right? The glutton is in control of, or not, I'm sorry, not in control of his appetite. Yeah. Essentially right? a slave to it. He's a slave to it. Right. So being sober minded essentially is an encouragement to be in the driver's seat over those type of desires, the desire to be lazy and the desire to be you know, a, a glutton. Right. I mean, one of the really just incredible things studying that is that we were able to be self-controlled only through the gospel. Mm. It's a fruit of the like, spirit. Yeah, it absolutely is. And in the, um, there's that word sophroneo is used um, in Mark 5 and Luke 8, where Jesus casts out a demon from, and casts out legion. And one of the ways that that man, after he's been, rid of the demons is described as being in his right mind. Hmm. That's that word comes up again, right? Yeah. So it, it had, that word, being sober-minded, really has this idea of like being free of some type of oppressive control. But Mark you know, 5 and Luke 8, it, Christ's intervention allows us to do that, hmm. right? 
he sets us free from this type of stuff. Right. And I think going back to your question as a, you know, as a pastor, you're marked by sober minded, right? That it's a huge category, but it does include gluttony and laziness, right? And in the church, the, the older men, the older women, the younger women, the younger men are to be marked by that trait, right? So I think a pastor can exemplify that for his flock by pointing them to Christ. Yeah. Christ can set you free from oppressive desires that, no leads to death. Well, Don, really appreciate you taking the time. This has been uh, awesome. Such a far-ranging conversation, but so, so critical. I love the depth at which you've explored this. Um, love the program. Love what you're putting out there. Definitely encourage you guys get on um, Don's email list. What's the name of the weekly email? Fit Tip Friday. Fit Tip Friday. And uh, check out the program. It's 12 weeks. Um it's, you know, we've talked about it here. It's an all in one sort of thing and a great way to get started. I've said many times before, uh, one of the best things you can do is just get started, just pick a plan, any plan and begin. And this is a great one for mm. you to do. It's, it's true of whether you're, you're starting your devotions or whether you're trying to do a morning routine, just pick a plan and start doing it. That's um, right. So recommend this for sure. Don, appreciate you, brother. Hope to have you on again sometime. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Reagan. This is a great conversation. Hey guys, Reagan again here. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Don. I'm going to have links to everything we talked about and Layman's Fitness all in the show notes. And I also wanted to let you know that if you're only listening to this podcast, you're missing out. If you're into Christianity and productivity, I also produce a lot of other stuff, including a weekly newsletter called Reagan's Roundup. In it, I share new episodes of the podcast, new videos I've created, articles, and also a roundup, see, that's where I get the name, of links from around the web that I think will be beneficial to you in your journey to becoming a more productive Christian. So check it out. Just go to newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com. There's also a link in the show notes as well. Well, guys, thanks for listening, and I will see you again here next week. But until then, remember this, in whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God.